Looking for the best place to buy tickets for any of your favorite teams or sporting events? We've got the spot. Our partner, StubHub, has been the leading ticket marketplace in the world for over 20 years, providing a 100% guarantee with every order. From a worldwide selection of live events, the widest choice of tickets and industry-leading partnerships, StubHub has what you need to purchase with confidence. StubHub, an official partner of The Athletic. that time jersey. I'll be the first to admit, in fact, all three of us will, I'd imagine, will be first, second, and third to tell you, it's sort of weird to start a, uh, a podcast previewing the game of the NFL season, maybe the de facto AFC championship game if you're really feeling particularly uh, confident in these two teams, looking ahead to a game that will end the season of either the Kansas City Chiefs or the Buffalo Bills, and then send the other one to the AFC championship game. And we're going to start the show with something we didn't, well, that hadn't happened um, even late last night, and then a reserve futures contract that the Chiefs signed just moments before this show began. So we're just going to go ahead and take this one in the winding path that has got us here. I'm Joshua Briscoe with Nate Taylor and the return of Seth Kaiser. Seth, I want to hear about your time at Arrowhead for Chiefs Steelers. We have a ton of Chiefs Bill stuff we should be talking about, but today ended up being one of those days, Nate, <laughs> just one of those. Is there any better way? It just kind of ended up being one of those days. No, that that's a, that's a fair way of saying it. Um, you know, it's, uh, it's unusual that the week of, as you mentioned, the sort of most important game of the season, a, a player is arrested. That player being uh linebacker, Willie Gay, um, on a misdemeanor charge for damages, to property less than a thousand dollars um but he didn't practice today today being thursday uh because he was in court um and just briefly before we started recording uh the chiefs signed uh mr arnett from the las vegas formerly of the las vegas raiders to a futures contract which is puzzling but um, I'm sure there are reasons there for this. Uh, so yeah, it is one of those days before a game that we've sort of been anticipating the entire season. Yeah, let's let's start with the Willie Gay front and and just kind of if anybody's missing on any of the details here. So he was arrested in Overland Park and then booked for misdemeanor criminal damage. Um, and as you said, Nate, he appeared in court earlier today. And was, I believe, allowed to sign off on a $1,000 bail. Yes. Um, the, the details were that uh, he damaged a vacuum cleaner, a wall, a door frame uh, during a confrontation with a woman at the we, – we, do we know for sure that it was the mother of, of their child? Yes, based on, um, based on Willie Gay's uh, representative, yes. That is which is something I want to circle back to, by the way, the statements yeah, from well, his reps. That, I well, I was just about to mention that here actually. So yeah, his his rep Max uh, Lepsettler, he said that. Uh, in fact, I can just quote it verbatim here. Willie was at his son's house visiting. He and the mother got into an argument during which he broke her vacuum. No one was touched. Nothing happened beyond broken appliances. She called cops about it, and they took him in on misdemeanor ju- destruction of property of less than a thousand dollars. 
likely just pays a fine and replaces vacuum. Nothing more. All should be resolved today with no further issues. Um, I, I'm curious what what it was that you wanted to, to touch on there, Seth. I will make the point on the front end that that is from Willie Gay's representative. Yes. And it's worth noting that your representative, your agent, I would assume, is not your criminal defense attorney. Mm. And let me just note that his representative essentially pled guilty for him in a statement mm. before his arraignment. And that's if you heard me sign, that's why. Yeah. Is Look, that is that a is that a bit unusual, Seth? Well, it's, he pled it's, not guilty during his hearing. It, I don't know. I, I hope his representative or... isn't a licensed attorney because that's freaking malpractice. Mm. And I don't mind saying that because people's rights matter. And I prosecute people, and I think their rights matter. And if he if he did this, he should plead guilty. He should pay a penalty. I believe that. There's a reason I do what I do. But I wouldn't. I'm so. It's so weird to me that you would just say, "Oh yeah, yeah, he definitely did this," mm-hmm. and then, but it's going to get resolved today with like a final. And then he pled not guilty, probably because he talked to a defense attorney. Is like, hey, let's let me maybe chat with the prosecutor before we go admitting guilt. Which, yeah. the, when with that statement that came out, the only thing I could make sense of was maybe his legal representation had come up with a plea agreement to plead at arraignment. Mm-hmm. Um, and that's, uh, you know, that that's not uncommon with misdemeanors, especially misdemeanor damage to property. You got a guy who I don't know that he's got much of a history in terms of criminal charges, um, at least in that jurisdiction. And so there's all sorts of, of deals you can make there and stuff. But that that bothers me. And and you know what? Uh, I'm sure his representation li- listens, you know, faithfully to Times Ours. Mm-hmm. And me throwing around a word like malpractice there, maybe that's mean. Um, and maybe they'll send me a mean. But you know, don't don't make public statements of guilt before there's like yeah. a resolution in a case like that to me is insane and maybe behind the scenes there is something right maybe they've already come to an agreement i guess but that bugged me plus it was weird saying it'll all be resolved today like that's what made me think oh maybe he's pleading today um but that that, that that's just a side note thing i want to circle back to like just this isn't legal advice because i'm not allowed to give legal advice this is practical advice don't plead guilty before you're ready to plead guilty like whether it's through yeah. representation, writing, smoke signals, I don't care. Don't say you did it until you're like ready to resolve your case cuz you know, those are some pretty significant rights you're waiving. His next court date now is March 2nd. Uh, again, the judge said he can sign out uh, sign himself out after posting $1000 bond and in the meantime until that the uh until a civil judge Here's the case. He's not allowed to have contact with his three-month-old son or the child's mother. Until so that's a civil the, judge hears the case? That is, uh, that's from Mackenzie Nelson of KSHB41 on Twitter. <laughs> so I don't, I don't know. <laughs> I am the wrong person to ask. <laughs> um, but again, yeah, court date March 2nd, uh, as uh, as Lebo tweeted out. So Interesting. I, th- I think that's the... The it, gist of that. There's what's, a couple, what's, what is interesting to you there? there? There's a couple things that people should note, and, and I mentioned this this morning. It's pretty unusual for people to be arrested on misdemeanor offenses. For example, in the state of Minnesota, law enforcement has an obligation. If they arrest someone and bring them into custody on a misdemeanor, they have to explain under, I think it's rule six of criminal procedure here in this state, why there was a risk to public safety or why it was likely that lawbreaking would continue 
or why it was likely that a person would not obey a summons to criminal court. There has to be a showing of that. Otherwise, the the assumption is that with a misdemeanor, you don't arrest them. You you give them a citation. And misdemeanors can cover a really wide swath of offenses from certain kinds of traffic tickets to misdemeanor domestic assault, um, at least here in Minnesota. And they all have a 90-day possible sentence, $1,000 fine or both. Um, no one ever does both of those things. Um, everyone always gets state sentences for the most part. So it's interesting that he was brought into custody and, and talking to people that practice in the area. So in Kansas, they have the ability to tag a dom- almost any offense, at least certain kinds of offenses, as domestic violence offenses, even if there's no alleged assault, which mm-hmm. is different from Minnesota, where it has to be like domestic assault. You can't do like a disorderly conduct that's also a domestic violence case. You can't do that. It's all by statute. Apparently that's different. And in a couple other jurisdictions too, with some attorneys that I've talked to from other states, they just all do it differently. So the reason he got arrested from what I'm hearing and what people have explained to me who practice in the area is because it got tagged as a domestic violence incident, even though he technically, you know, isn't alleged to have assaulted anyone. Um, that's in most states, if there's a domestic violence incident, it's an automatic arrest and someone has to be heard by a judge, mostly because they order no contact usually. So they want people on conditions of release. So that's why he got arrested. And I would just note on a final thing, cause I know we don't want to talk about this too long. I see a lot of jokes going around Twitter and stuff. Um, I would just say this. I have no idea what happened. And I think we have learned to not judge things right out of the gate because a lot of crap goes on with these situations. Um, But I would just note that if there was something that occurred where, you know, a a door frame and a vacuum got destroyed, you know, whether it's something getting thrown, something, whatever. While it's obviously not as bad as putting your hands on someone, I think people like myself, who've watched videos of encounters like that. Mm -hmm. Um, I think it's more scary than people realize. An example, and I'm not trying to throw this individual under the bus, but it's a video that became public. The, uh, the Richard Sherman charges, you know, it's like, like, and that was a similar thing where it was tagged as domestic violence incident, but it was a trespass, I believe, like a disorderly, something like that. Mm -hmm. Like you hear about it and you're like, okay, he banged on a door. But when you watch it, you're like, that's kind of scary. And that's the reason why some states have the ability to tag this stuff as domestic violence, because the idea is, you know, you're 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 getting pretty close to that concentric inner circle of hurting someone, you know, scaring someone and hurting someone can often be very, very closely related. So I know Willie Gay Jr. has been very upfront about about watching his mental health. And I know these situations can be very fraught with tension and arguments and custody of children, all that stuff. There's a lot going on here. But I would just caution people about maybe treating it too lightly, if that makes sense. Yep. Nate, anything specifically on Willie Gay that you think we should cover? Um, There's a chance he could miss Thursday's practice just because of when he is released from the uh, Johnson County's Sheriff's Office Detention Center. Um, So that'll be something to keep uh, track of. And apparently there's no there's no bond. So he doesn't have to sort of pay uh a fine as of right now to, to, to yeah. be released. I, I don't know what the $1,000 signature bond or signing himself out, I don't know what that terminology even means. I don't know, Seth, if that rings something to you, but um, that was that's the, the phrase I've got, either $1,000 signature bond or judge can sign himself out after posting a $1,000 bond. That's from Lebo and, and Mackenzie Nelson again. But Yeah, yeah. And, 
it, most most times people have monetary and non-monetary conditions of release. Yeah. Okay. And I'm assuming that is tied to the non-communication yep. that is supposed to occur. So um, Andy Reid will talk on Friday. Um, in previous examples, and there aren't very many of this, uh, at least in my time covering the team, uh, usually Andy is not like um, giving clear-cut answers um, because the team usually sort of is like, hey, there's a legal element to this. Um, we don't want to talk out of turn, basically. So his status for Sunday's game may be up in the air all the way up up until kickoff. Mm-hmm. Do you would you feel comfortable having a, a an inclination of what that what it might look like on game day leading up to game day, or should we all just check back in on on Sunday with your with your Twitter? No, I mean, yeah, it, it's. It's 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 basically uncertain at this point of, of us recording this. Um, I think you know uh, Steve Spagnuolo was very supportive of Willie Gay today, but said that whether he plays or not is obviously up to Andy Reid and mm-hmm. him being um, you know moving forward from the situation. It's um, you know the way I would say is like the Chiefs have four linebackers you can count on, and mm-hmm. now maybe one of them. Um, is in a precarious situation, but I mean, the team will still heavily lean on Anthony Hitchens, Nick Bolton. Uh, obviously there's a dime package with Ben Neiman. I don't know if that gets played more, uh, if Willie Gay is not available or if his snaps are limited compared to most games, but that's, that's a general football look, um, mm-hmm. as of right now. From, so that from a football oh, perspective, ahead. I just wanted to note that he's really the only player on the Chiefs defense that I think is really, really well suited to spy Josh Allen. Hmm. Um, maybe Dorian, well, Dorian O'Daniel could certainly do it. He's athletic enough, but he's smaller, and Josh Allen's a big dude. Yes. And you and me both know they're not putting Dorian O'Daniel on the field because they would have yep. done it by. Although the only games they've done it is spy specific situations. Hmm. Um, they've did it with Watson once. They did it with Wilson a couple times, but. That that from a football perspective, that's unfortunate because he's like the one dude where they could play man across the board and have Willie Gay Jr. spy him. And he's like the guy where I know Willie Gay Jr. is faster than Josh Allen. And I know he can mm-hmm. tackle Josh Allen. And it's tough to find those two that combination of those two things anywhere else on the roster. It's just kind of wild because like I I all of that is I think undeniably true. And also the first, whatever it was, nearly 15 minutes of this podcast have been about Last night's arrest. Like, it's just a... Yeah. It's a heck of a dichotomy there. I hope everybody listening has a, you know, an understanding of this is our last show before the games will start, and there's there's our effort to give you what's happened and then what it would look like if it does or doesn't play. And ultimately, like Nate said, pretty up in the air right now, and you can keep tabs on you know we'll we'll all have the news for you across various platforms and whatnot as we get there um and we'll if there's anything new on the legal or field front obviously we'll talk about it on monday so that all started early this morning um at least started hitting the news this morning and then like half an hour before we sat down to record this podcast uh the chief signed a player to a (coughs) futures contract in fact two players i believe and i was going to say that we don't even really recognize those most of the time at this point, at least not for a big conversation, unless it's a name we've heard of. I've already forgotten who the second person they signed to a reserve futures contract was. Uh, but the one that we will talk about here briefly is cornerback Damon Arnett. 
He was a first-round pick from the Raiders in the same draft class as Henry Ruggs, and then both of them were released about a week apart. Um, obviously, Henry Ruggs had the the DUI that resulted in in killing a woman, which is r- horrible and nothing to nothing new on that front. Anytime recently, Mike Mayock also has some quotes here that I was going to point to. But he's no longer employed by the Raiders. That's happened recently. Just that organization obviously has had, you know, a heck of a lot of turmoil as of late. And Damon Arnett was one of the pieces of it. Um, The Raiders waived him again in November after this video surfaces of him waving around a couple different guns and and threatening to kill presumably whoever the video is meant for. Um, It's not great. There's plenty of places you can see it. The video at Seth and I at least have already retweeted it um, as we record this. And you can you can find that very easily if you want. It is containing of strong language and not pleasant. Um, And so that ended up being a factor in them releasing him. Also, there was a a lawsuit involving a car crash from October that came up that had uh, legal issues, obviously. Arnett reportedly crashed four rental cars within roughly a month over the course of his rookie year. That was a report from November from Ian Rappaport. Um, and they've brought him on for a, re- a reserve futures contract. So I believe those are the relevant details. Uh, what did you think when that news hit your guys' timelines? Well, the Chiefs have a history of um, at least being interested in former first-round pick cornerbacks, and this mm-hmm. continues that trend. Um, this player is also released in a different circumstance i would argue and um it's going to take some time to see the vision as to why the chiefs wanted to kick the tires on this but they have i don't know if there was um like other teams bidding or potentially uh interested in in signing arnett um but there's also some issues of just production on the field that also bring this into question and and so you know they made a they made a you know they made a in terms of the salary cap and the draft capital used they made you know a small investment in Mike Hughes which I think by and large is a success this season um but there's really nothing to suggest that at least as of right now Damon Arnett will have a similar you know chapter in his career similar to what Mike Hughes has done this season I'll also go ahead and just give the rundown real quick so Mike Hughes as you said they traded for DeAndre Baker they signed um, that one was around legal circumstances but very unique ones that ultimately ended up looking like extortion and not like crime which is not on on Baker's behalf that he was being extorted is what that story ultimately mm-hmm. turned into and then also they signed and have since released Josh Jackson the cornerback from uh, green drafted by Green Bay they they signed him he was not a first round pick he was a top 50 pick I think um, but they signed him to their practice squad earlier in the year and they actually waived him or, or released him from that deal two or three days ago and so um, Arnett becomes the, the latest member of that class of you know Top level corner, top level drafted corners who end up in Kansas City for a, a change of scenery, if you will. Uh, but obviously, Arnett's comes with a, a type of baggage that those other guys didn't. So, uh, Seth, where did where did this signing leave you today? Um, I mean, this would be a good like, hey, read the room moment for the Chiefs. Like, mm-hmm. I, 
And, and look, it's not a crime to wreck rental cars and make really stupid videos. Mm-hmm. Which, on a side note, I, I've been asking people, what is the firearm in this video? And someone said the first one is an AR-15 with a bunch of nonsense attached to it. It looks, it looks like, it looks like someone made a gun out of Legos it's, and then put every attachment I on mean, it. It's very strange. I'll be real honest, like that. I, I grew up in North Dakota. I'm surrounded by weapons as I grow up, and I've never known that's anyone. For the, that's for the sixty to seventy feral hogs. Yeah, that's you're you're not wrong. Um, <laughs> but I've never known anyone that's like a serious gun owner that like attaches all this junk to it and just leaves. It's a range toy. It's like something you might fill with. Like, oh, this is really hilariously fun, but it's just so ridiculous. I would just note this video that he did. He's exchanging DMs with a guy, and the guy's like saying, Where do you live? Pull up, and all this other stuff. And then I think he sent the video. Just, young men, what are you doing? Like, why? Like, if someone said to me, Hey, quit talking trash or give me your address, I'd be like, Well, I'm not going to give you my address because that's dumb. <laughs> right. And be like, Oh, you're scared. I'd be like, Well, no, I just don't think anyone wins that. Like, what? What, you're going to pull up and I'm going to shoot you? Like, what? Like, why would I do that? That's insane. Or you pull up and shoot me? Like, what? Guys, men, young men, knock it off. Quit I went, it. Just stop. And just quit it. I heard a line once <laughs> that someone said in kind of a tense situation, and it made me laugh. And ever since I've used it, like, it was a couple of guys, like, being all, you know, how it goes, chest to chest with each other. Rah, rah. Um, testosterone and stuff. And the ego. One, yeah, ego. And the one guy says the other guy some version of, you know, I'll knock you out. And the other guy says, you know, you probably can. And if I want to, I guess I can get in my car and run you over. What are we doing? Like, what's <laughs> so what? Who cares? Right. And I was like, yeah, that's not a terrible point. Yeah. So, well, let, man, let, just knock it off. No one cares how tough you are. I promise. Look, let's let's just state the obvious. The Raiders didn't want him anymore. (laughs) And that, in and of itself, is problematic. Uh, Yeah, that's problematic. And it's not, I mean, it just, there's a series of really poor decision-making things here that I just see a young man who, who is just doing stupid stuff. And I get, like, that, you know, again, making a video is not really hurting anyone. It's just so stupid. And like so, and then like the idea, like he wrecked like four rental cars in like a month. That's really stupid. And I hope he has someone in his life who can sit him down and say, "Dude, you're acting stupid," because I think that'll help him long term. And like in terms again for the Chiefs, I understand they give people second chances. I understand lots of 22, 23 year olds do really stupid stuff that's not technically illegal. But like, read the room, you know. Like, you know, they just. Like, you couldn't have waited a couple days? I don't know. Right. It's just because we're sitting here on the eve of a game people are talking about. is like the Super Bowl before the Super Bowl. And we're talking about it because we feel obligated to. And that's the last thing you want. And it's like, man, just yeah. just give it a minute. Like, I don't think they were going to get a bit anymore. And he's he never really played very well either, just on a side note. Mm-hmm. Like, he doesn't look that good on film. And, I mean, you know, the potential's there. But when they drafted him in the first round, people were like, really? So, 
I don't know. It just seems like a weird signing to me. And I like someone was like, "Oh, Charvarius Ward insurance," and I'm like, "I certainly hope not." Yeah, no kidding. Because <laughs> like one is a dude who has been really, really, really like solid and consistent, and not you know posted videos like that or wrecked a bunch of rental cars. So uh-huh. I don't know. It's just annoying. Here's the one thing that grinds my gears a little bit. Not the one thing. Here's a thing that grinds my gears a little bit. I remember back at doing the uh, the the Frank Clark introductory press conference. And a lot of this is largely, I think, kind of gotten washed out for most people, which I think is a good thing, ultimately, because of the themes of it. But, like, there, there was a decent amount of stuff around Frank Clark, especially from college. And God knows that we went through all this around Tyreek Hill and whatever, you know, how much of it was was justified or how much wasn't. I mean, we have gone through the process a number of times. Willie Gay had a, a fight, you know, out of college, not to make it about Willie Gay again. But like we, we've gone through that process. And I think one thing that really does genuinely bother me is that today the people that the media got to speak to were Steve Spagnuolo, Eric Bieniemy, Dave Tobe, and Tyron Matthew. And none of those guys should have to answer any of the questions that should be getting asked today. Pre, that was pre-Damon Arnett signing also. Mm-hmm. But like Spags was not in a position to answer what the situation with Willie Gay is. And I know Andy Reid's set to talk tomorrow, but when's the last time we talked to Brett Veach? When will we talk to Brett Veach again? If, if this is a post-draft, press conference and they they draft a player that's got some sort of off the field issues to use that huge umbrella. I think you could look at that and then talk to Brett Veach or the scouts then, and at least be able to ask the adults in the room the question of why is this person not going to have these issues again? There's a really, to your point, Seth, you are young enough and you're suddenly wealthy and maybe you're not very self-confident if somebody DMing you threats is going to be the thing that makes you get in enough trouble that you get cut from your team. I am perfectly happy to extend second chances to people in in situations like that. But don't don't make everybody ask Steve Spagnolo about it today. And also Andy Reid's not going to say bleep about about Damon Arnett tomorrow. He's going to say he left that up to Brett and that they did their research and that Brett thought it was a good move. And then we'll talk to Brett Veach in the spring. Like, yeah. I just don't yeah. – that I, part really frustrates me. I was I was going to give you the dates. Um, I believe the NFL scouting combine is March 1st through 7th. So. Great. Yeah, so we're going to remember to ask, Damon Ar- uh, ask Brett Veach about Damon Arnett then after three months of all sorts of stuff happening and one guy on a reserve futures deal that's not going to end up anywhere in our news stream unless something else crazy happens. Hey, uh, you you, you got to You've got to You've got to just not even not even face the music. It wouldn't be a trial, but you've got to be able to answer the questions about the decisions you're making. I, I will I will place a pin, put it in now and ask that question then. I appreciate it. <laughs> uh, you. You may be the one at that point. It's just. I don't know, man. Am I being unreasonable? No. You guys got really quiet. I can't tell <laughs> no, you because you agree I just, because no. you disagree. No. I'm just it's... annoyed that this is what we have to talk about, which I know is a very, like, first world type problem. But it's like, gosh, you know, just, just. Ugh. I think I said before we started that I just wanted to make sure we didn't accidentally spend 25 minutes on these two stories. Well. And I think yeah. we just hit approximately the 26, 27 minute mark. So, uh, well, you know, it's also, that's on me. No, it's not. No, it's not. None of us. We all are just talking about the news. I think that's not our fault. I think in our show description, you're described as the host. 
No, that's, I mean, no, that's, it was going to be on me, and then I decided that I could just blame the Chiefs for it. <laughs> that's fair. That's they could have signed Damon Arnett, you know, on Monday after they lose to the Bills. Oh, what? Whoa. 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 I feel Who like that's a good that? segue. Yeah, let's take it. Um, so that's everything else that's happened today. Uh, but there is a pretty big football game around the corner, and uh, it's actually is slightly more difficult to talk about not knowing where Willie Gay is going to land. But, uh, and, and Seth, I will not forget to ask you about being an arrowhead in, in, for the Steelers game. But I, I'm going to try to circle back on that. Cool. Where are you guys at right now in the middle, late middle of the week right now, about the halfway point to, uh, to getting Chiefs Bills in a rematch right now? Well, can I, can I put out a, a reference to another podcast that no one sees coming? Yes, <laughs> always. Um, here we are yet again, ladies and gentlemen. It is late January, which means that the NFL playoffs um, sort of collide on the same timeline as the first Grand Slam in, in tennis. Ah. And I just want to give a, a lovely shout out to the tennis podcast with uh, just great people. Catherine Whitaker, who I'm going to reference here shortly, David Law, and um, Matt... Roberts. So there's a phrase that Miss Whitaker says that I have that I just enjoy. But it's a divisional round. And when you see a matchup on the bracket that you can envision from the moment it comes out, all you want to tell the sport the world is yes, please. <laughs> Chiefs Bills. Yes, please. The <laughs> The balance of the AFC will be decided at 5.30 on Sunday. Um, and these two teams have been on a collision course all year. Uh, I am thrilled uh, to see it. And they're going to play an AFC championship game, fellas. But I believe that game is going to be played on Sunday. Seth, how does that make you feel? It makes me feel pretty good. I, uh, I These teams have been on a collision course for years, and both of them kind of underachieving at certain points in the season is why we're seeing it this week instead of next week. Um, they both blew their opponent out of the water in the first mm-hmm. round in kind of hilarious fashion for both of them. Um, and I think both teams have reasons to be confident too. And that's, that's, it's such an interesting matchup. Um, you know, I would, I, I would say, I don't know if, if the results of last year's AFC championship tell us anything about this game. And I would say the week five matchup probably tell us just as little. Mm-hmm. And so it's going to be really interesting. Like, I don't know if either of you guys have gone back and rewatched that week five matchup. I have I'm, not. I have chosen not to do such. Well, it's like I, w- I will not. I'll go a step further. <laughs> um, you can't make me. <laughs> well, like it's just an interesting exercise in like just game flow and how mm. things can go. And the Chiefs, it's like the most, even more so than the Titans game because the Titans game was like Patrick Mahomes just played really bad football. Like yes. he just did. Um, this was the most twenty twenty one of the Chiefs' 2021 games because they turned the ball over four times. One of them was on a kickoff. So the Chiefs – so if you, like, look at how this game went, 
And what this is one of the reasons that I don't think there's really much people can take away from it. So the Chiefs start off with a 17-play, 56-yard drive that ends in a field goal. Uh, the Bills score a touchdown. Um, and let me just say that if there was a drive that didn't involve something happening with Dan Sorensen, <laughs> I, I, I haven't found it. Uh, a couple a couple of guys I respect going back over the film, they're like, man, I, I think if I think if Sorensen doesn't play, I think the Chiefs might still win that game. Yeah. But then so then the defense forces a three and out. The Chiefs score a touchdown, go up 10-7, right? And then the Bills score a touchdown, they go up 14-10, they get a field goal, they they go up. And so the 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 way I'm reason I'm going through all this like this is the game at halftime. Like you saw the Chiefs kind of just, they weren't really playing very well or anything. But so it's a 24-13 game, right? And you get that going into the third quarter. Bills get the ball first, punt. Chiefs get the ball next, punt. So still, Mm -hmm. so they got the ball back 24-13 with a chance to do something. They kind of wasted it, some self-inflicted stuff and all that, whatever. But then you've got a another punt by the Bills. So still 24-13 in the third quarter. And then you have the play that, like, shot everything to pieces. Third and five, Tyreek Hill drops what would be a first down, bounces into Micah Hyde's hands, and he returns it for six. Now it's 31-13 and an entirely different ball game. Yeah. Right? And so, and then the very, and then on the very next drive, the Chiefs, they drive down all the way to the Buffalo eight, and there was a batted pass that got intercepted, and the game was over at that point. Because it was it was thirty one to thirteen. I, I know this is my I, like I'm glad that you've done this just so I can say this, which is that I remember that game being thirty one to thirteen from kickoff. Right, like, that's how I remembered it too. Like I remembered it as a blowout. The Chiefs were really in it in the something third was quarter. wrong by halftime because that because there was the lightning delay that made everything suck oh, more. It was it was everybody, you know. Critic- our favorite it, safety getting stuck it was, in our mind. It was everybody criticizing Mr. Sorensen. <laughs> that yeah. makes sense. No, it was bad. I mean, you've got – I mean, it was just It was just bad. Yeah, like, yeah what, it, what it was is that, is that the, the touchdown there was to Dawson Knox, and I believe that was a um, a, a, a Daniel Specialson. Yep, down the right sideline where he was uh-huh. just like, you know, I've been covering him for a while. What if I didn't? Yeah, yo, yeah, that's his uh, his eyes got eye leverage. His eye, got his eye leverage was um, was off, as as Dave Merritt told us. Yeah, and then the Chiefs went and ended up settling for three, and uh, that I think that that moment was where it felt kind of over. But it's it's a good point, Seth, that I think you're kind of getting to on some of also like a two touchdown game with a little bit of time left in the first half. I mean, it could have been worse. They were getting the ball back, but they forced a three and out, like. Right, that game, that game was closer for longer than it seemed. Is that your? Is that what you're getting at? Absolutely, yeah. Cool. It felt, it felt like it was out of reach in part because you had a couple of just horrific plays by Sorensen that led to touchdowns. You had the fumble, but I mean, the, so like having the turnover, it was all the stuff that we'd seen so far that year, especially back to back drives that ended in picks. Because again, you're talking twenty four thirteen, then a pick six off a drop. And then that makes it 31-13. And then the next possession, still in the third quarter, the Chiefs could have scored. They were on the eight. Now it's 31-20, you know, with some time left in the third. Instead, you get a, a batted pass that turns into a pick. 
And so it really was all that fluky. I mean, and, and good job by the Bills defense. They're really good defense. But all that fluky, are you kidding me moments were there. And the Dan Sorensen specials were there as well. And so I think that's why that game felt so out of reach because it's like, man, they just can't get out of their own way. Now, now what happens, fellas? What happens if he returns to cult hero status? If he <laughs> somehow picks off Josh Allen on Sunday? <laughs> I think I'd like to find where I can bet on that because I think it'll happen. I just think he'll give up a touchdown first. Like, I just... I think he'll somehow have a worse moment than he did in that game and then have a pick six at some point. Yeah, I feel like if I were allowed to make a bet on either Dan Sorensen having an interception or like a forced fumble or huge fourth down stop or giving up a touchdown that made me scream, I wouldn't know which thing to bet on. No, this is okay, Seth, this is where you, you are too far out of the gambling world because that right there is a parlay from heaven. You just bet for both of those things because they're both going to happen. You're going to scream at your TV because of Dan Sorensen at least twice and once at least once will be negative and at least once will be positive. That's the experience. Yeah, or or they could just play Armani Watts in a limited role and knock it off. You big dumb idiot. <laughs> that can't be it. I, and knock it off. Is that how you they could? They could just knock it off. There's there's a, a county attorney who uh, who practices in the next county over, and she she's the actual county attorney. I'm just an assistant county attorney, right? I'm not the boss. So there there was this big case where where the law enforcement wanted to do all these things, and it was like this whole. It was just a lot, and they were relatively low important cases, and they wanted to put a lot of time and energy into it. And she's in the middle of this meeting, and she goes. Okay, guys, I hear everything you're saying, but let me just ask you, what if we just didn't? <laughs> and like, there was apparently just silence, and they're like, well, I mean, I don't know what might happen. She's like, oh, I'm really asking, like, what if we just didn't? Like, what's the worst thing that could happen? And I'm going to be beating the drum of that for the rest of the season with Dan Stars. Like, just like, ah, you know, he's going to like, you know, he's going to play whatever. Stuff. What if he just didn't? Like, what if you put our mind? What's the, we talked about this in recent weeks when I lost my mind and I'm a little under the weather now. So maybe I'm crabbier. It's like, what's the worst that could happen? So that's my advice to them right now is knock it off. Like, just quit it. Like, just don't. So, yeah. I, look, man, I'm just proud of you for keeping that up for literally an entire season of football. I really admire that. <laughs> that's That's been like my brand this year. It's like, just stop it. What were you going to say there, Nate? Um, well, look, the Bills have a lot of weapons, guys. Uh, mm-hmm. It's it's a little scary, I think, if you're a Chiefs fan. And it's, it's okay to admit that you're scared. Um, you know, in terms of this year to last year, uh, Stefan Diggs is healthier. Um, I think there's been some slippage with Cole Beasley, but all of a sudden they have Isaiah McKenzie. Um, Dawson Knox is very good. Um, yeah, <laughs> Dawson they- Knox is literally Travis Kelsey in my mind, just because <laughs> just because who's defending because of that game because <laughs> of yeah. one game, um, yeah, really because of <laughs> because of three catches. He had three catches for 117 yards. Gosh. Uh, <laughs> Look, they they signed Emmanuel Sanders for one game, okay? They signed him for one game. (laughs) It's for this game, Uh, because they it was clear to them that they needed a third option 
in terms of passing weapons at the time for Josh Allen, um, because the Chiefs did a very good job covering Stephon Diggs and Cole Beasley last year. Um, so this will be this will be quite the test uh, for the for the uh, for the Chiefs secondary. You know, as Seth mentioned earlier, because both teams sputtered because there were mistakes because were <laughs> mistakes were made. <laughs> I mean, it, it blows my mind, fellas, that this game is being played in Arrowhead Stadium. In large part because of the Jacksonville Jaguars. Yeah. Um, and so the Jacksonville Jaguars did the Chiefs a favor two weeks ago, and they're like, you guys don't really need to play Jonathan Taylor and the Colts, which would have been cute and probably more entertaining than what we saw last weekend with the Steelers. And they're like, well, if you got to play the Bills again, we'll, we'll help you out and we'll win. Um, the strangest regular season game all year? Uh and so I'm I'm fascinated to know how much growth Josh Allen has made, but they're also using him as a runner, just as uh, just as you know of a threat as a passer, which I find interesting too. Um, and look, both teams have improved since the first matchup, um, and that's what makes this even more intriguing because I I think Chiefs fans need to understand that like if the Chiefs lose on Sunday. It's obviously we don't know the details if such an outcome happens, but like it would be totally reasonable because this team has spent 365 days almost planning for this day with their quarterback hopefully performing better than he had a year ago. Uh, they've they've just constructed their roster to come after the Chiefs, and I believe they're the only team equipped to really threaten the Chiefs' reign in the AFC, um, even though they're not the one seed like I thought they would be. And the Tennessee Titans are still are still obviously playing for their for their playoff lives as well. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. How do you guys feel right now about the game? Like, I, I don't... I feel like once we get to a point of like predicting what was what's going to happen or whatever, maybe we've lost the plot a little bit. Like, where are you? What are you feeling right now in terms of how evenly matched these teams are, or or how you feel about what you've seen from them over the course of these last many weeks since the first game? Like, what's Seth? What's your confidence level on the Chiefs' behalf? Um, like scale of one to ten. Yeah, percentage wise, one to ten, four out of five stars. Yeah, I, thumbs I, ups. I'm, I'm at really like a measurements up to you in terms of their ability to win the game and stuff. My, my confidence level is at a 10. Um, I, I, well, so here's I guess here's what I'm getting at is that 
I, I think that this game might be an honest-to-God coin flip. Yep. Like, they, it, it would... A big Chiefs win would not surprise me more or less than a big Bills win, I don't think. A close win from either team wouldn't surprise me at all. Like, there's just not a, a ton within the reasonable middle range of outcomes that would surprise me. And I almost always lean heavy Chiefs on, on virtually any matchup. Sure. I... I... <laughs> I feel really confident in the Chiefs. I just I know the Bills are really good, so it's kind of one of those any given Sunday type games. Yeah. Um, I do think that the Bills have in a pair of games where I think it really mattered. I think I think that Week Five game was was the Bills Super Bowl before the Super Bowl. It was. Um, that was like that was their game. That was when the Chiefs used to play the Patriots. You know what I mean? Like that was it. Um, it was the team they're trying to overcome, and they feel like they did that, and good on them. Um, and then they they played the Patriots, which they they had a great game plan against the Patriots. I would have maybe called off the dogs a little sooner if I were them, because there's just no need to put extra stuff on film. But I mean, that is what it is. I'm sure they got plenty of stuff. Mm-hmm. So I, I I think I'd give the Chiefs the edge in that department because I just I, I think you know you can only get to that same place so many times. I just think it's all going to come down to – this is going to be such a great great analysis by me. Let me just tell you. It's just going to come down to who plays better between Mahomes and Allen because everything else uh, – the Bills have a defense that has statistically performed a lot better, but it's played a much weaker schedule mm-hmm. than the Chiefs. Um, both of them have really good weapons. Both of them have lost games they shouldn't have. And both of them have won really convincing games. So I just think at the end of the day, whichever one is more of a fire-breathing dragon for longer, that dude's team is going to win. How you feel good about that. How you, I, I, I was okay, going to say, how Nate, you feeling, Josh? I thought, Josh? I, thought you feeling? I heard you thinking, and I was like, I'm just going to let Nate do it, and then we both we both got uncomfortable. With the how, you, how, you, how you feel it? Um, look, he the most talented quarterback, all right? <laughs> I don't know who you're talking about. Oh, come on. Um <laughs> It's 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 been it's been really fun to know that both of these teams, both of these quarterbacks, both of these coaches need this game. It it is it is it the it is aligned perfectly. <coughs> Which again, give me two teams that feel like they have to win this game. Yes, please. Give me two quarterbacks who have demonstrated a week prior that they're the best quarterbacks in the AFC. Yes, please. Give me a team who is a true contender trying to take down a former champion. And give me a champion trying to regain their their status as the best. Yes. Give me all of it. So... In terms of Mahomes, there should be no um, wavering amongst Chiefs fans. Let's say it again. The team you root for has Patrick Mahomes. And quietly, the team they root for would trade for Patrick Mahomes in a heartbeat. (laughs) In a heartbeat. Okay? In a heartbeat. I think, (laughs) like... That that heart hasn't even beat yet, and they would do it, okay? Like, is Josh Allen Aaron Rodgers yet? No, that's a ridiculous request, sir. 
is he Tom Brady? Well, of course not. Because <laughs> Tom Brady's 55 years old, who is still throwing 45-yard balls, 45 yards accurately. How? Oh. <laughs> so, Josh Allen is going to have to go up another level than even what he showed last week, which is which is crazy. But... There are, there are more ways, I believe, for Mahomes to win this game than Josh Allen, where I feel like Josh Allen's got a blackout. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. And Patrick Mahomes yeah. just can continue to be what he's been in the postseason, which is you right. give this man any inch, any opening, he will he will likely take it if he's upright and his offensive line is intact. That's, that's what we've seen so far. Um, and... It was made aware of me today that the Buffalo Bills have another hurdle to clear. Under Sean McDermott, they have never won a postseason game on the road. Hmm. It is yet to happen. <coughs> so I think you could say you could say <coughs> Josh er, Patrick Mahomes. Patrick Mahomes. <laughs> I just honestly was kind of thinking that we'd probably just be like, "Hey, Seth had a coughing fit at this time, Mark," and that I would just talk over it. But now it's got to stay in because oh, we've so- talked about it. It's, no, it's great. You want to just really make sure it's cleared out. You got one more just to make sure? I was sneezing, not coughing. Did Jazz tell you to that say that my sneezes sneeze? sound like coughs? No. I mean, we text all the time, but not about that. I, I mean, that's, that's... Jazz has been gaslighting me on this issue for about a decade now, and I will not have you guys backing up her opinion on this. I thought you were coughing. I mean, I thought it was a coughing fit. Dang it. Uh, you... Just purely audio-wise. No video feed. I just It sounded like a cough. Nate, you're ruling? Uh, it, it it sounds like your eyes were closed and you were very much in a in a tizzy. <laughs> that definitely was a tizzy of some sort. That's we a hundred percent of times our listeners agree. <laughs> Seth sounded like he was in a tizzy there. Yes, yes, yes. Uh, what I was what I was gonna say before I was so rudely interrupted by the strange noises that Seth makes is that Patrick Mahomes needs to do something that he has done in the playoffs a number of times now, and Josh Allen either has to do something he has not yet done or something that he has done. Exactly one time, because I don't want to be revisionist and and say that nearly fifty burgering the Bill Belichick Patriots is not a tremendous outcome, a tremendous entire game of nearly perfect, at least perfect results offensively. Mm-hmm. But also, like this is this is still different because the quarterback on the other side can actually punch you back. Yeah, and I, I get the sense that. Uh, with with we've all discussed this but Patrick Mahomes is like his brain is getting to higher levels because you've just showed him another way of mm-hmm. of of trying to either confuse him or make him work or let the path to success be slightly different well no well, now he's got all that information and he can process it better it's just a matter of uh will the chiefs execute will the skilled players around him play play well um and for Josh Allen, it's um, I'm I'm gonna mention one play that I hope Chiefs fans remember from the first matchup. Even though, yes, I chose not to rewatch this game this week because there were no, there was no Chris Jones, there was no Melvin Ingram, Frank Clark was coming off of what we now understand was uh, a lingering hamstring injury, and Jaron Reed was still, you could say, figuring it out the system basically. Mm-hmm. So there was one play that I remember where they actually got pressure on Josh Allen. 
And that one play resulted in a roughing the passer penalty against Frank Clark, which could have led to an interception. Yeah, Nate, I that remember. That was nullified. Yeah, no, and, I do recall. Thank you for jogging my memory. Um, And so I just want to remind people of that. And the way for the Bills to win this game in the easiest way from point A to point B is that Josh Allen either evades the pass rush at an extremely high level or the pass rush doesn't get home. But in Arrowhead Stadium, with this with this collection of pass rushers, uh, all healthy or healthier, um, we've seen every quarterback in that stadium be pressured. We just have, um, and so that would be a bit of a of a surprise. But who wins in the trenches will just be. Uh, I mean, it'll go a long way in determining how successful each quarterback can be. Now, Seth, do you remember when on 3rd and 17 with 11 minutes and 50 seconds left, Josh Allen uh, did in fact drop back, was hit by Frank Clark, which was then called roughing the passer, which then gave them a fresh set of downs that turned into a long touchdown drive? Do you remember that part? I do remember that part. Hmm. I just want to make sure that everyone listening remembers every frame of that awesome play. Yeah, that was, yeah, that was. Nate, I hadn't thought about that. In and, months. And that's what I mean. It had been months. There were a number of things that happened in that game that went Buffalo's way. They also played very well. Yes. Yeah, and they were down 18 at that point, but it would have yeah. you know, been it, But, nice. I mean, 11 minutes is a lot of time. I mean, there's there's just a lot going on. So, I, I, I um, yeah. I like I said, I don't think like because you know there's a lot of Bills fans that are talking, and that's fine. You know, friendly trash talk is fun, but this it's not like these two teams are radically different. The Bills have done a lot of work to try to work on their pass rush, but they're not like their core pieces are pretty similar to the team that the Chiefs boat raced in the AFC Championship last year. Are you, are you saying they don't have T.J. Watt and Cam Hayward? Uh, they do not have TJ Watt and Ed, Ed Oliver and Jerry Hughes aren't the same. Aren't the same players? They are not the same players. And Ed, Ed Oliver, he's made really some good. good. Plays. He's, he's really, really good. good. He's yeah. not Cam Hayward. No, he's and, not. And, and Hughes can play. And and they've they've got another really good pass rusher. I, I can never. I can't remember his last name. It starts with is it, R. Is, is it Greg Greg Rousseau? Rousseau. Thank you. <laughs> I appreciate that from you. Um, so they've they've got a good pass rush, and you can tell that's something they were really intentional about this offseason, like trying to figure out something because they saw last year that they couldn't cover well enough on the back end to make up for not being able to get after Mahomes. Like you have got to get pressure on Mahomes. You've got to get pressure with four or hope he has a bad game, which happened like twice this year. So maybe people have talked themselves <laughs> into that being a possibility, like after it never happening in the previous years. And the Titans were getting a fair amount of pressure that game, although that was a lot of, you know, Mahomes' fault, honestly. That was just a bad game. So I, I just think a lot went right in that week five matchup. So I'm kind of interested in what things look like because a lot of things went right for the Bills. A lot of things went wrong for the Chiefs. And it was reflected in the score between two pretty evenly matched teams, I think. But the the that game, if you go back and rewatch it and take the emotion out of it, of seeing that fumble on a kickoff and kind of the fear that was starting to permeate Chiefs Kingdom at that point because the start to the season had been different than what people were expecting. You take the emotion out of it, you rewatch that game, it's like, oh, this really didn't get out of hand for a while. And it was mostly Dan Sorensen or fluky stuff that got it out of hand. Uh, can we, can we, can we? <sighs> All right, Josh, let's take a deep breath. Let's walk. All right, Sean McDermott, 
great great for you to show up. We really appreciate it. Yeah. We just need to remind you mm-hmm. that if it's fourth and three, what should the Bills do, Josh? Where are we on the field? Doesn't matter. Well, I need to know where we're on the field. I mean, are we on our own territory? We, you know, we in field goal range. We're stuck in that no I'm gonna, man's I'm, I'm going to give you sixty yards. I'm going to say you're at your own forty. You're Anywhere on your own three. Got a got a punt. Got a punt. <laughs> got a quarterback sneak. It maybe. No, it's not me. That's a different guy. That's uh, a fun little joke I made by Joe Judge. I'm Sean McDermott, and this is what I sound like. You know, Josh, last year they were in... Sean. uh, Excuse me, Sean. You guys were in the red zone multiple times and elected for field goals. I just wonder what what the result of the game last year was. (laughs) Yeah. Well, so look, I mean, we can look look back in the rear view, but, you know, the way we do things around here, we're not a rear view team. We look through the windshield. That's where all the stuff's happening right in front of us. We're trying to keep our eyes on the road. We're going to go ahead and we're going to learn. We're going to learn from what's in the rear view. But our, our focus is what's in front of us. Next, next question. Sean, can your quarterback black out if he's not on the field on fourth down? Nice. I think that's going to be it for me today, guys. Uh, we'll get uh, <laughs> uh, coach, coach, has, coach has to step out. Um, look, Brad, I'll have a follow up. <laughs> <laughs> no, nope, like don't. Hey, Don't. sorry. Hey, I'm sorry. Coach just stepped out. We'll get him to you on Friday, though. We're going to get Coach back to you guys on Friday. Good? Cool. All Good. Right. Um, so, when you get off the bus, Buffalo Bills, 40 is the requirement, okay? We can yeah. all look this up. How many points did the New England Patriots score when they beat the Chiefs in the 2018 AFC Championship game? Because that's what's required, and I'm adding three more. Um. This is the Super Bowl. I want both teams to understand this. There is no tomorrow. You have to go breakneck speed to win this game. And the thing that I've told Buffalo Bills fans is when the Chiefs are in the red zone, start praying. Because <laughs> the amount of plays <laughs> that, I'm, that I assume are designed to either be a misdirection or to mess with your eyes or to say why in God's name is Travis Kelsey throwing the football? <laughs> like I, so I just hope the Bills understand their opponent. I hope they're actually ready for this moment. And is Travis Kelsey ready? Of course he's ready. He been ready. Is Patrick Mahomes ready? Yes. Is Tyron Matthew ready? Based on pedigree and status, yes, I would say he's ready. Chris Jones, hey man, you had you didn't play in this in this first matchup. You ready? Yes, Melvin Ingram. Dude ain't never been not ready. Yeah. So now the question is... <laughs> Melvin Ingram has not... He is the most literal born-ready person that's it's, ever walked this earth. It's crazy! Oh, <laughs> so Josh Allen. It's right there. You ready? Uh, Let's go down the list. Dawson Knox. It's third and seven, dog. You ready? You ready? Who, who's lined up across from me? Just curious. Uh, we'll say Juan Thornhill. Yeah, <laughs> I don't know. Yeah, I don't know. Man. I I mean, not all they have to do is line up with. All they got to do is line up in a spread formation and force the Chiefs into dime. And you know who's matched up in space against Dawson Knox? Unless the Chiefs do something differently, it's forty nine. And low key, that Bengals loss a few weeks ago. Yep. Crucial third and down. Yep. Spread them out and said, hey, and you could tell that was a designed play to pick up third and long because they knew all you got to do is get the Chiefs in dime and you can get Dan Sorensen matched up on a tight end alone. 
And man, they need to figure something out with that because that's what I would be doing. Not every down because you don't, you know, you don't want Spags to adjust mid game, which he does do people, but on every crucial down, any third and longer than four or five, I'm spreading it out with forcing the chiefs into dime. And I'm getting Sorensen matched up on a tight end alone in space. Mm-hmm. Now, now, now Jordan Poyer, Micah High. That, that read like a horror movie. But look, look, Jordan Poyer and Micah High. I'm telling, I'm saying right now, these guys can play. The you guys are the best safety tandem in the AFC. You are better right now than Juan Thornhill and Tyron Matthew together. Wild statement, but it's true. Are y'all ready? Are y'all ready to prove that to be an actual fact on the field? Because without Tre'Davious White. And with some cornerbacks that could be had, Jordan Poirier and Micah High better play. They, you know what's off. Mm. Yeah. So all well, the que- I- all the questions are easily answered based on pedigree, status, production, and just the amount of trust you can put on anybody in a Chiefs uniform that matters. Yep. And now the answer will be will be we'll we'll find the answer to to the guys in the white. Blue and red jerseys. This this game feels like it's obviously a huge. You know, it's win or go home. It's a big deal. The Chiefs have been very clear that they feel like anything less than getting to the Super Bowl would be a disappointment this season. Which I actually am a little less big on because it's really hard to make the Super Bowl three years in a row. Yes, like that's only, so hard. Only, only three teams have done it, Seth. <laughs> yeah, well, and that's like if they win it all this year, they'd have an argument for the most successful three-year stretch in NFL history. But that's a that's a conversation for another day. Okay, but like for them, so if they lose in the divisional round to the Bills at home, it's a bummer, right? But it's not like they're going to want to do like a complete organizational overhaul. They're going to probably, I'm guessing, go for more weapons. Um, You know, like if they took like two wide receivers in the draft and tried to sign Juju or something, (laughs) I would not be mad about that. Although like Juju really wants to stay in Pittsburgh. He just really does. So fair enough. But like I would not. Maybe the Chiefs should sign Ben Roethlisberger. Yeah, maybe they. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) Maybe, maybe like they they do stuff like that. They had to do like a complete overhaul of their offensive line last year. They'd have some work to do, but they they need to do some tweaking, right? They'd see that they need some tweaking. Fair enough. If the Bills lose, like, if you lose for the second year in a row to the team that you have been building to beat for two years. In a round that's, earlier than the year previously? Yeah, that's that's rough. Like, for the Chiefs, again, it's a bummer. And I'm not saying I don't care desperately. If they lose, I'll be really bummed out. But, like, if you're the Bills, like, this is your God, this is your moment of ascension. Because there's not a lot of time left for this kind of stuff. You know, like, unless you think you can sign, like, I, I just, you know, Josh Allen's contract isn't Patrick Mahomes' contract. It's not. I've looked at the structure. They are built differently. Mm-hmm. Um, and they're, it, Josh Allen's is not as team friendly. And and we could talk about why that makes sense, like with the bonuses and stuff, and why yeah. I, I'd be willing to bet a trillion zillion dollars the NFLPA is so mad at Patrick Mahomes' agent, but whatever. Uh, Guaranteed mechanisms, mother. 
<laughs> yeah, no, that is like you just know other agents saw that like are you kidding me because not every owner can do that every year because not everyone has old oil money like that's just, that's just the truth like old oil money is good i've often said this. yeah I've you mean, you mean said... this bitcoin doesn't go doesn't go generationally no no there is there is wealthy and there's old oil money wealthy and those are not the same thing so I'm just saying, like, for the if you're the Bills, I think there's a reason and you get some of this nervous energy from their fans. And Bills fans are diehards. That's awesome. I have a lot of respect for that. But like they know, like, this is this is it. They they spent years being the little brother to the Patriots, right? And just getting beaten down by them constantly. And now, and like the best team of the Bills era or the Bills franchise ever, they were the little brother to, you know, the NFC, basically. Yeah, and unfortunately. Because those Bills teams were great. Yeah. They were, they deserved to win one or two of those Super Bowls. And they'd be, they'd be remembered totally differently. Just, just, just imagine if that 1990s Bills pass for us somehow showed up on Sunday. Yeah. I mean, they, they were so great. They were such a great team. And so they were a little brother then with the greatest teams they had in franchise history. They were the little brother to the Patriots for years. They finally, finally stood up the big brother and just knocked this block off last week. Now imagine it's like you finally knocked out your big brother, but like your big half brother <laughs> through marriage just moved into the house right after that <laughs> happened and said, nope, <laughs> and then just dunked on you. And so I, I just feel like there's there's an organizational thing here. And they're they're a very well built team, but that's it's not gonna get any easier for them in terms of their their team. It's hard to imagine they built to build a better team to try to challenge. So there's a lot at stake for them, and that's that whole are you ready thing. The pressure on them is unbelievable. Okay, so you guys know how your the quarterback has the speaker in his in his helmet, but it cuts out with what, fifteen seconds left in the play clock? Mm-hmm. Yes. I'm going to give you guys a play call, and then my mic's going to cut out. You can say it's the Patriots' fault. You can say it's because I'm in Foxborough. You can say whatever you want, but I'm going to give you guys this play call, and then I got to start exporting an audio file 20 minutes ago. So here's the the play. I want to know, Seth, about your time at Arrowhead for the Steelers game, if you would like to connect that dot to uh, what it's going to be like on Sunday for this game, I would love to know your thoughts about it. I would like to know how both of you feel like this game will ultimately go. I'm going to say I'm very narrowly leaning Chiefs, and then Nate has to end it by doing a bit with you, Seth. Everybody got it? And break. Yep, break. I'm about to be out of the Zoom. All right. (laughs) So, Nate, what do you really think of Josh? No, I'm kidding. Hey, I haven't stopped. Yeah, yeah, I knew that would happen. Um, That's unfortunate. I'm trusting trusting my quarterback. I don't know which one of you. I do know it's Nate. Yeah, we uh, yeah. Come on, we both know who the quarterback is. Um, So, so Nate, follow me on Twitter. All right, bye guys. (laughs) So Nate, as you know, I got the privilege of being at Arrowhead Stadium this Sunday. Um, And I think that's part of why I'm sick now, honestly, because you can't Mm. stand outside. No matter how Minnesotan you are, you can't stand outside in 30-degree weather for four hours and not occasionally have a problem. Um, Arrowhead ruled on Sunday. It was awesome. I will say there was definitely an energy there early in the the second quarter, like an are-you-bleeping-kidding-me kind of energy. (laughs) Like, are we – because it was so clear how much better the Chiefs were than the Steelers. Like, it was so obvious, and they were losing 7 to nothing. Like, 
Like, how are you doing this it's, it's to never, us? I always tell people, it's never as easy as you think it is, and it's always harder than you last remembered in the yep. playoffs. <laughs> the playoffs, man. It's just like they could not get out of their own way. It looked terrible. And then, like, once they had that first scoring drive and things kind of – it really felt – because they just marched down the field, scored yes. a touchdown right after that fumble. Um, and it felt like reality kind of just snapped back into place. And then, you know, you you end up with a, a, another three and out or whatever it was, and they march on scored again. It's like, okay, this feels like it's pretty dispositive. Like I like if someone had told me, you know, the Chiefs aren't gonna score again, I would have I would have still given them like an 80% chance to win. <laughs> Cause the the Steelers offense was so bad. Like, there's just no threat there. And then as soon as, as Mahomes hit Robinson down the right sideline, I was like, that ah, doesn't matter what else happens this game. This is over. He, he's he's firing. I would just note that the the state of Arrowhead during that like chaotic 11 minutes where they just rained fire and brimstone down on the Steelers, just like touchdown, 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 touchdown. It, and then, you know, touchdown. Oh, it's called off. Tyreek Hill was short. Fine. Fat guy touchdown. <laughs> like, you know what I mean? Yeah, and, yeah. Like, and Andy Reid at the end, like with that last touchdown, that was indisputably an FU touchdown because the Steelers were still kind of trying to, it was almost like a, how dare you keep trying to come back? Fine. I'm not pulling Mahomes. We're going to march down the field and score again. Knock it off guys. And there was like this, just this state of euphoria at Arrowhead that I haven't gotten a chance to experience before. So that was awesome. I assume Arrowhead's going to be rocking. Steelers fans showed up, by the way. They did. Like, they did. There were probably a solid five or 6,000 of them in the stadium at least. Um, probably a lot more, honestly. Like, if I'm just thinking on the the the, the ground level visitor side alone, they, they filled it up pretty well. And the Steelers fans always travel well. I'm curious if you think Buffalo fans will travel that well. I, I'm hoping uh, because the the game is just of of such significance. Um, I, I would also say as we as we wind this thing down, uh, I just I love these moments. The, this is a game that I don't think anybody will forget anytime soon, regardless of the outcome, mm-hmm. um, because everybody understands the storylines and the setup. Um, this this might be a this might be a game where Arrowhead is truly necessary. Where the fans have to understand that if you want your team to advance, you need to make Buffalo pay for losing to Jacksonville. <laughs> like, yep. That's, this that's is... the only reason <laughs> you have this home game. It's because yep. the Jacksonville Jaguars were like, I mean, I guess we can go out there and win a game. <laughs> yeah. I guess we can just go out there and just beat the pants off them too. Yeah. Like... It's, it's, it's wild. So, um, I have I have so many questions. We only got to so many of them right now. But I think if you're a Chiefs fan, um, you know, there was at least some level of stress because of everything you just said, Seth, about the feelings, the vibe, the tenseness of Arrowhead Stadium with the team down 7 nothing. because T.J. Watt did what? Uh-huh. <laughs> Versus a game that went perfect from start to finish. Um, and I think if, if you're a Chiefs fan... And if you're in that building on Sunday, uh, the prospect of the Chiefs being up two scores early in the game against the Bills to create some level of doubt or to make them speed up or for them to have to adjust their game plan or them to just not basically on be on script 
uh, or to have confidence early on, I, I think would be, I think would would serve everyone, um, both the team and 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 the fan base, obviously. And then uh, I just, I've said this all week, and I can continue to say this until Sunday at five thirty, maybe, or we'll continue to say it moving forward. Um, but my next bit of you know, and this is where we'll end it, Seth. My 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 next. My next phrase of confidence to give you as you leave this therapeutic session is beating Patrick Mahomes in the Chiefs and Arrowhead in October is not the same as beating Patrick Mahomes in the Chiefs and Arrowhead in late January. <laughs> those are two those are two things that sound like they're the same, mm-hmm. but they're not. But they are not. And they haven't been traditionally. Man, I forgot um, um, Nick Jacobs just tweeted out, like, the turning points of the game. And that Frank Clark pass interference call – or not pass interference, the, the – Rough roughing the pass. Yeah. Was just inexcusable. Like, they were, they were not – like, that game was still in question. Like, like this is – they were down 11. They had a pick that would have had them at the ball at, the, at midfield. Down 11 with 11 minutes left in the fourth. That like that's a game changing call, but all that aside, because you know losers blame refs. I get that. So, but it, those are two very different assignments, and that's something that I think the Steelers discovered in that earlier this year, the Chiefs might have kept fumbling all over themselves and at least created a close game against the Steelers. You know, with some of the mistakes they were making early. Yep. In in January. They were like, nope, <laughs> like this is, or like maybe the defense would have like let the lead get a little bigger, right? There's a whole bunch of things that could have made that game a lot tougher. And instead the Chiefs were like, no, no, this is Arrowhead in January. And this is just different. How we're going to play this is completely different. And Andy Reid will absolutely unload if he has to. And, and you know, probably an unfortunate phrasing given the stuff we talked which about. Which is why but empty the clip. Which is just, which is why beating the Chiefs in Arrowhead in, in October is different than trying to do it in late January. It is. It is. Um man, so you you obviously executed your assignment. I think I executed mine. And so is that what we're settling on? Is that what we're ending on? It's it's just a different thing winning it in January. Yes. yes. You got you got one more for me? No, no, let's 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 keep it really simple, kids. Um go to bed on Saturday. By the way, little little prescription. I'm sorry guys, but if you want to host another AFC Championship game, you're gonna have to root for Joe Burrow, Jamar Chase, and Zach Taylor. Uh so when you go to sleep Saturday, regardless of the outcome, just know that the AFC trying to beat your team at home in late January is really, really difficult. And that, you know, there's something to say about that. Because I used to say that about a team called the New England Patriots.